0: Part three Chapter seven of the Speaking Voice Principles of Training Simplified and Condensed by Catherine Jewell everts This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven Epic Poetry The Epic Poem makes the appeal and demand of essay, lyric poem and short story in one. If you obey all the laws you have discovered in the study of these first three forms, and use all the power you have developed, you will be able to read effectively this cutting of Gareth and Lynette. This arrangement was made and presented by Mrs. Mary Everts Ewing, formerly teacher of expression in the University of Iowa. Mrs. Ewing's method in cutting a story, poem or play is simple and very effective as her results show. She says, first study your poem, play or story as a whole. Consider it from every standpoint, its author, its type, its motive, its philosophy, its structure. In fact, know it. Second, determine your motive in presenting the poem, play or story. Third, define your motive what phase of the theme do you want to show what aspect of the story do you want to present which thread of the plot do you wish to follow fourth cut everything which does not preserve the theme phase or thread you have chosen to present fifth if your condensation now fails to come within the time allotted for its presentation Cut everything you can without sacrificing your theme. Sixth, if you find you have cut more than is necessary, restore that which seems most illuminating to your theme. Because the arrangement of this one of the idylls of the king has been made for you, do not fail to heed the first rule for preparing such a poem for presentation. Study the complete poem. Do more study all the idylls of the king saturate yourself in the atmosphere of this great epic read all the fragmentary poems which foreshadow this masterpiece of tennyson's make your own cutting of gareth and lynette and compare it with this one study tennyson's dedication of this epic gareth and lynette the last tall son of lot and bellicent and tallest gareth in a showerful spring stared at the spate a slender shafted pine lost footing fell and so was whirled away how he went down said gareth as a false knight or evil king before my lance if lance were mine to use o senseless cataract bearing all down in thy precipitancy and yet thou art but swollen with cold snows and mine is living blood thou dost his will the maker's and not knowest and i that know have strength and wit in my good mother's hall linger with vacillating obedience prisoned and kept and coaxed and whistled to since the good mother holds me still a child heaven yield her for it but in me put force to weary her ears with one continuous prayer until she let me fly disgaged to sweep down upon all things base and dash them dead a knight of arthur working out his will and gareth went and hovering round her chair asked mother though ye count me still the child man am i grown a man's work must i do follow the dear follow the christ the king live pure speak true right wrong follow the king to whom the mother said yet wilt thou leave thine easeful biding here and risk thine all life limbs for one that is not proven king stay till the cloud that settles round his birth hath lifted but a little stay sweet son and gareth answered quickly not an hour so that ye yield me i will walk through fire mother to gain it your full leave to go who walks through fire will hardly heed the smoke ay go then an ye must Only one proof before thou ask the king to make thee knight of thine obedience and thy love to me, thy mother, I demand. And Gareth cried, A hard one or a hundred, so I go, nay, quick, the proof to prove me to the quick. But slowly spake the mother, looking at him, Prince, thou shalt go disguised to Arthur's hall and hire thyself to serve for meats and drinks. Nor shalt thou tell thy name to any one, and thou shalt serve a twelvemonth and a day. Silent a while was Gareth, then replied, The thrall in person may be free in soul, and I shall see the jousts. Thy son am I, and since thou art my mother, must obey. I therefore yield me freely to thy will so gareth all for glory underwent the sooty yoke of kitchen vassalage ate with young lads his portion by the door and couched at night with grimy kitchen knaves and lancelot ever spake him pleasantly but kay the seneschal who loved him not would hustle and harry him and labour him beyond his comrade of the hearth and set to turn the brooch, draw water, or hew wood, or grosser tasks. And Gareth bowed himself with all obedience to the king, and wrought all kind of service with a noble ease that graced the lowliest act in doing it. So for a month he wrought among the thralls, but in the weeks that followed the good queen, repentant of the word she made him swear, and, saddening in her childless castle, Sent arms for her son and loosed him from his vow. Shame never made girl redder than Gareth joy. He laughed, he sprang, Whereon he sought the king alone and found and told him all. Make me thy knight in secret. Let my name be hidden and give me the first quest. I spring like flame from ashes. And the king, Make thee my knight in secret. Yea, but he, our noblest brother, and our truest man, and one with me in all, he needs must know. Let Lancelot know, my king, let Lancelot know, thy noblest and thy truest. So with a kindly hand on Gareth's arm smiled the great king and half unwillingly loving his lusty youthhood, yielded to him. Then after summoning Lancelot privily, I have given him the first quest. He is not proven. Look therefore when he calls for this in hall, thou get to horse and follow him far away. Cover the lions on thy shield, and see, far as thou mayest, he be nor ta'en nor slain then that same day there passed into the hall a damsel of high lineage and cried o king for thou hast driven the foe without see to the foe within why sit ye there rest would i not sir king and i were king till even the lonest hold were all as free from cursed bloodshed as thine altar-cloth comfort thyself said arthur i nor mine rest so my knighthood keep the vows they swore the wastest moorland of our realm shall be safe damsel as the centre of this hall what is thy name thy need Lynette, my name noble my need a knight to combat for my sister leonors a lady of high lineage of great lands and comely yea and comelier than myself she lives in castle perilous a river runs in three loops about her living place and o'er it are three passings and three knights defend the passings brethren and a fourth and of that four the mightiest holds her stayed in her own castle and so besieges her to break her will and make her wed with him and three of these proud in their fantasy call themselves the day morning-star and noon-sun and evening-star the fourth who alway rideth armed in black a huge man-beast of boundless savagery he names himself the knight and oftener death and therefore am i come for lancelot hereat sir gareth called from where he rose a head with kindling eyes above the throng "'A boon, Sir King, this quest!' "'And Arthur, glancing at him, brought down a momentary brow. "'Rough, sudden, and pardonable, worthy to be knight. "'Go, therefore!' "'And all hearers were amazed. "'But on the damsel's forehead shame, pride, wrath, slew the May-white. "'She lifted either arm. "'Fie on thee, King!' i asked for thy chief knight and thou hast given me but a kitchen knave then ere a man in hall could stay her turned fled down the lane of access to the king took horse descended the slope street and passed the weird white gate and paused without beside the field of tourney murmuring kitchen knave." whereat sir gareth donned the helm and took the shield and mounted horse and grasped a spear of grain storm strengthened on a windy site and tipped with trenchant steel around him slowly pressed the people and from out of kitchen came the thralls in throng and seeing who had worked lustier than any and whom they could but love mounted in arms threw up their caps and cried god bless the king and all his fellowship and on through lanes of shouting gareth rode down the slope street and passed without the gate but by the field of tourney lingering yet muttered the damsel wherefore did the king scorn me o sweet heaven o fire upon him his kitchen knave to whom sir gareth drew shining in arms damsel the quest is mine lead and i follow she thereat hence avoid thou smellest all of kitchen grease and look who comes behind for there was kay knowest thou not me thy master i am kay we lack thee by the hearth and gareth to him master no more too well i know thee I, the most ungentle knight in arthur's hall how that thee then said kay they shocked and kay fell shoulder slipped and gareth cried again lead and i follow and fast away she fled so till the dusk that followed song rode on the two reviler and reviled then after one long slope was mounted saw a gloomy gladed hollow and shouts ascended and there brake a serving-man flying from out of the black wood and crying they have bound my lord to cast him in the mere then gareth bound am i to right the wronged but straitlier bound am i to bide with thee and when the damsel spake contemptuously lead and i follow gareth cried again follow i lead so down among the pines he plunged and there black shadowed neither mere saw six tall men hailing a seventh along a stone about his neck to drown him in it three with good blows he quieted but three fled through the pines and gareth loosed the stone from off his neck then in the mere beside tumbled it oilily bubbled up the mere last gareth loosed his bonds and on free feet set him a stalwart baron arthur's friend so when next morn the lord whose life he saved had some brief space conveyed them on their way and left them with god-speed sir gareth spake lead and i follow haughtily she replied i fly no more i allow thee for an hour for hard by here is one will overthrow and slay thee then will i to court again and shame the king for only yielding me my champion from the ashes of his hearth to whom sir gareth answered courteously say thou thy say and i will do my deed then to the shore of one of those long loops where through the serpent river coiled they came and there before the lawless warrior paced unarmed and calling damsel is this he the champion ye have brought from arthur's hall for whom we let thee pass nay nay she said sir Star, the king in utter scorn of thee and thy much folly hath sent thee here his kitchen knave and look thou to thyself see that he fall not on thee suddenly and slay thee unarmed he is not knight but knave and gareth silent gazed upon the knight who stood a moment ere his horse was brought then she that watched him wherefore stare ye so thou shakest in thy fear there yet is time flee down the valley before he get to horse who will cry shame thou art not knight but knave said gareth damsel whether knave or knight far liefer had i fight a score of times than hear thee so missay and revile fair words were best for him who fights for thee but truly foul are better for they send that strength of anger through mine arms i know that i shall overthrow him and he that bore the star being mounted cried from o'er the bridge a kitchen knave and sent in scorn of me such fight not i but answer scorn with scorn avoid for it beseemeth not a knave to ride with such a lady dog thou liest i spring from loftier lineage than thine own he spake and all at fiery speed the two shocked on the central bridge and either knight at once fell as if dead but quickly rose and drew and gareth lashed so fiercely with his brand he drave his enemy backward down the bridge the damsel crying well stricken kitchen knave till gareth's shield was cloven but one stroke laid him that clove it grovelling on the ground then cried the fallen take not my life i yield and gareth So this damsel ask it of me. Good, I accord it easily as a grace. Thy life is thine at her command. Arise and quickly pass to Arthur's hall and say his kitchen knave hath sent thee. See thou crave his pardon for thy breaking of his laws. Myself, when I return, will plead for thee. Thy shield is mine. Farewell, and damsel thou lead and i follow and fast away she fled then when he came upon her spake methought knave when i watched thee striking on the bridge the savour of thy kitchen came upon me a little faintlier but the wind hath changed i sent it twentyfold and then she sang o morning star that smilest in the blue o oh, star my morning dream hath proven true smile sweetly thou my love hath smiled on me but thou begone take counsel and away for hard by here is one that guards afford the second brother in their fool's parable will pay thee all thy wages and to boot care not for shame thou art not knight but knave to whom sir gareth answered laughingly the knave that doth its service as full knight is all as good meseems as any knight toward thy sister's freeing ay sir knave ay ay she said but thou shalt meet thy match so when they touched the second river loop Huge on a huge red horse, and all in mail burnished to blinding, shone the noonday sun, whom Gareth met mid stream. No room was there for lance or tourney skill. Four strokes they struck with sword, and these were mighty. The new knight had fear he might be shamed. But as the sun heaved up a ponderous arm to strike the fifth, the hoof of his horse slipped in the stream the stream descended and the sun was washed away then gareth laid his lance athwart the ford so drew him home but he that fought no more as being all bone battered on the rock yielded and gareth sent him to the king myself when i return will plead for thee lead and i follow quietly she led hath not the good wind damsel changed again nay not a point nor art thou victor here there lies a ridge of slate across the ford his horse thereon stumbled and once again she sang o birds that warble to the morning sky o birds that warble as the day goes by sing sweetly twice my love hath smiled on me there stands the third fool of their allegory. For there, beyond a bridge of treble bow, the knight that named him Star of Evening stood. And Gareth, Wherefore waits the madman there, naked in open dayshine? Nay, she cried, Not naked, only wrapped in hardened skins. Then that other blew a hard and deadly note upon the horn. Approach and arm me and forthwith they madly hurled together on the bridge and gareth overthrew him lighted drew but up like fire he started and as oft as gareth brought him grovelling on his knees so many a time he vaulted up again till gareth panted hard and his great heart foredooming all his trouble was in vain laboured within him for he seemed as one that all in later, sadder age Begins to war against ill uses of a life, But these from all his life arise and cry, Thou hast made us lords, and canst not put us down. He half despairs. So Gareth seemed to strike vainly, The damsel clamouring all the while, Well done, knave-knight, well stricken, No good-knight knave shame me not shame me not i have prophesied strike thou art worthy of the table round his arms are old he trusts the hardened skin strike strike the wind will never change again and gareth hearing ever strongly smote and hewed great pieces of his armour off him but lashed in vain against the hardened skin and could not wholly bring him under more than loud south-westerns rolling ridge on ridge the boy that rides at sea and dips and springs for ever till at length sir gareth's brand clashed his and brake it utterly to the hilt I have thee now but forth that other sprang, and all unnightlike writhed his wiry arms around him, till he felt despite his mail strangled, but straining even his uttermost cast, and so hurled him headlong o'er the bridge down to the river, sink or swim, and cried Lead and I follow. But the damsel said I lead no longer. Ride thou at my side, thou art the kingliest of all kitchen knaves. O oh, trefoil sparkling on the rainy plain, O oh, rainbow with three colours after rain, shine sweetly, thrice my love hath smiled on me. Sir, And, good faith, I fain had added, Knight, but that I heard thee call thyself a knave, Shamed am I that I so rebuked, reviled, missaid thee. Noble I am, and thought the king scorned me and mine, And now thy pardon, friend. Damsel, he said, ye be not all to blame saving that ye mistrusted our good king would handle scorn or yield thee asking one not fit to cope thy quest good sooth i hold he scarce is knight who lets his heart be stirred with any foolish heat at any gentle damsel's waywardness shamed care not thy foul sayings fought for me And seeing now thy words are fair, Methinks there rides no knight, Not Lancelot, his great self, Hath force to quell me. Look who comes behind. For one, delayed at first Through helping back the dislocated kay, Sir Lancelot, having swum the river loops, His blue shield-lions covered, Softly drew behind the twain, and when he saw the star gleam on Sir Gareth, turning to him, cried, Stay, felon knight, I avenge me for my friend. And Gareth, crying, pricked against the cry. But when they closed in a moment at one touch of that skilled spear, The wonder of the world, went sliding down so easily and fell, That when he found the grass within his hands, he laughed. laughter jarred upon Lynette harshly she asked him shamed and overthrown and tumbled back into the kitchen knave why laugh ye that ye blew your boast in vain nay noble damsel but that i the son of old king lot and good queen bellicent and victor of the bridges and the ford and knight of arthur here lie thrown by whom i know not all through mere unhappiness device and sorcery and unhappiness out sword we are thrown and lancelot answered prince o gareth through the mere unhappiness of one who came to help thee not to harm lancelot and all as glad to find thee whole as on the day when arthur knighted him o damsel be ye wise to call him shamed who is but overthrown have i been nor once but many a time victor from vanquished issues at the last and overthrower from being overthrown well hast thou done for all the stream is freed and thou hast wreaked his justice on his foes and when reviled hast answered graciously and makest merry when overthrown prince knight hail knight and prince and of our table round and then when turning to lynette he told the tale of gareth petulantly she said ay well ay well for worse than being fooled of others is to fool one's self a cave sir Launcelot, is hard by with meats and drinks and forage for the horse and flint for fire But all about it flies a honeysuckle, Seek till we find. And when they sought and found, Sir Gareth drank and ate, And all his life passed into sleep, On whom the maiden gazed. Sound sleep be thine, Sound cause to sleep hast thou. O Lancelot, Lancelot! and she clapped her hands full merry am i to find my goodly knave is knight and noble see now sworn have i else yon black felon had not let me pass to bring thee back to do the battle with him thus an thou goest he will fight thee first who doubts thee victor so will my knight knave miss the full flower of this accomplishment said lancelot peradventure he ye name may know my shield let gareth and he will change his for mine and take my charger fresh not to be spurred loving the battle as well as he that rides him lancelot like she said courteous in this lord lancelot as in all and gareth wakening fiercely clutched the shield ramp ye lance splintering lions on whom all spears are rotten sticks ye seem agape to roar yea ramp and roar at leaving of your lord care not good beasts so well i care for you o noble lancelot from my hold on these streams virtue fire through one that will not shame even the shadow of lancelot under shield Hence, let us go. Silent the silent field they traversed. Suddenly, she that rode upon his left clung to the shield that Lancelot lent him, crying, Yield, yield him this again, tis he must fight. Miracles ye he cannot. Here is glory now in having flung the three. I see thee maimed, mangled. I swear thou canst not fling the fourth then for a space, and under cloud that grew to thunder-gloom palling all stars, they rode in converse till she made her palfrey halt, lifted an arm, and softly whispered, There! And all the three were silent, seeing, pitched beside the castle perilous on flat field, A huge pavilion like a mountain peak sunder the glooming crimson on the marge black with black banner and a long black horn beside it hanging which sir gareth grasped and so before the two could hinder him sent all his heart and breath through all the horn echoed the wall a light twinkled anon came lights and lights and once again he blew Whereon were hollow tramplings up and down, And muffled voices heard and shadows passed. Till high above him, circled with her maids, The Lady Leonore's at a window stood, Beautiful among lights, and waving to him White hands and courtesy. But when the prince three times had blown, After long hush at last, The huge pavilion slowly yielded up through those black foldings that which housed therein. High on a night black horse in night black arms, with white breastbone and barren ribs of death, and crowned with fleshless laughter, some ten steps in the half light through the dim dawn advanced the monster and then paused and spake no word but gareth spake and all indignantly fool for thou hast men say the strength of ten canst thou not trust the limbs thy god hath given but must to make the terror of thee more Trick thyself out in ghastly imageries of that which life hath done with, and the clod, less dull than thou, will hide with mantling flowers as if for pity. But he spake no word which set the horror higher. A maiden swooned. The Lady Leonor's wrung her hands and wept, as doomed to be the bride of night and death sir gareth's head prickled beneath his helm and even sir lancelot through his warm blood felt ice strike and all that marked him were aghast at once sir lancelot's charger fiercely neighed at once the black horse bounded forward with him then those that did not blink the terror saw that death was cast to ground and slowly rose but with one stroke sir gareth split the skull half fell to right and half to left and lay then with a stronger buffet he clove the helm as thoroughly as the skull and out from this issued the bright face of a blooming boy fresh as a flower new-born and crying knight slay me not my three brethren bade me do it to make a horror all about the house and stay the world from lady leonore's they never dreamed the passes would be past answered sir gareth graciously to one not many a moon his younger my fair child what madness made did challenge the chief knight of arthur's hall fair sir they bade me do it they hate the king and lancelot the king's friend they hoped to slay him somewhere on the stream they never dreamed the passes could be passed then sprang the happier day from underground and lady leonore's and her house with dance and revel and song made merry over death as being after all their foolish fears and horrors only proven a blooming boy so large mirth lived and Gareth won the quest. And he that told the tale in older times Says that Sir Gareth wedded Leonore's, But he that told it later says Lynette. Alfred Tennyson End of chapter 7